craft and career podcast series featuring conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries. Here we explore various approaches to craft and career, and even consider how those two can sometimes work together. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale's Office of Career Strategy, and I'm excited to be back for round two with our first guest the spring season, content designer Rob Ronan. If you haven't already, go back and check out the first half of our talk, but suffice to say that Rob is a Yale Film Studies alum and 20-year veteran in digital writing and user experience who's currently working for Reality Labs at Meta. Rob, it is so great to have you back. Thank you. So... We left things with a, a, a nice scope of how you've been part of different kinds of, you could say the same industry um, evolving over time, but your your writing, your your consistency of voice of craft actually pretty much stayed the same over the course of those years, which is fascinating. And so can you tell us a little bit more about where that industry and where that, you know, the world you live in um, professionally, what it does look like now, like what a normal day looks like for you in terms of the kinds of projects, the types of projects that you're on, um, and also, you know, just telling examples of the kinds of experiences that you've recently had. You know, some stuff does change rapidly, like the technology is always changing. Voice does change a lot based on the individual project or work you're um, working on. So in terms of overall trajectory of the industry, I mean, communication through digital patterns has been around for a long time. Um, You know, you really started to have widespread adoption in terms of computers in the early 90s and then the Internet, which was around. So we were around when people really started using the Internet in the mid 90s and late 90s. And it was very much an emerging platform then, but it became mature. Phones came in and they became mature. So... You, you are constantly learning and evolving and following the, the technology. And I enjoy that curve. Things that I think lessons that I've learned throughout these different the evolution of technology is one, like, be honest, <laughs> be entertaining, be simple, be transparent. Those are kind of principles that you do always want to do. And that is not something that I think people would have said, and many people would say now, 20, 30, 40 years ago. There is, I, I, you know, I can't get into specific examples from either company, sure. but there are patterns that I think people who have worked in this industry have known about for a long time, but you know, now people call them dark patterns, where there are good ways to manipulate people, but not necessarily in an honest, transparent way. And you generally will get short-term results, but long-term problems. Not getting to the level of a dark pattern, but little things like you, st- you still in some, in-, in some ways will get occasional emphasis to-, to try and like push people along a path when they're not ready. So in terms of language, you hear things like book now or, you know, get offer, like some very kind of evocative, demanding language. I think before I, I mentioned, not, not on this podcast, but if you're waiting in line in, in Starbucks and someone snuck up behind you and said, buy now, like your reaction would be, no, <laughs> I'm going to leave this line and go someplace else because this is a very strange interaction. And we do now know that mostly that is true. Like the data backs that up. Like you, you want to help people and you want to be not gentle, 
you want to make it clear like what path to go through, but you don't want to push them too much because of any sort of interactive media, they're in charge. I've heard the analogy. It's not like an in-person conversation. It's like a phone call because the user at any time can choose to hang up. And I think that I've seen this pattern repeat over and over again with every new technology. In some sense, you're seeing it right now in terms of like streaming video. That would be a good example. Whereas people want to get people and they want to get people locked in. But for better or for worse, you know, our streaming providers have set up business and technical arrangements where people can leave at any time. So if you are not providing people quality product and service, they will end, they will end the interaction. They will not use your product. And that is a lesson I think people have to learn and relearn over and over. But I do think it's consistent across what I have observed in terms of digital technology and, and how to influence people. You know, we always want to see be the hero of our own story. And so I have always considered myself a white hot person in terms of let's help people, let's think about them, let's try and provide quality product and move them along, regardless of what the technology is or whatever. And I don't mean move them along. I mean, help them move along mm-hmm. towards what they want. And if you're not providing a quality product, maybe no amount of words is going to help you there. Maybe in the short term, but not long term. Like fix that. Right. Like so that's what the information is. So I often ask, you know, when I come on a project, you know, what information do you want to convey to users? And if the information is kind of like, oh, well, the information is we'd like them to buy. <laughs> but what are like the positive benefits? Like what like if you were shopping for this, like what would be product or service? Like what would be the thing that would want to help you engage with this? And sometimes people haven't, and I'm again not talking about any specific context, but sometimes people haven't really thought through that. Mm-hmm. And that can be actually one of the bigger professional challenges to gently say, you don't just need a sentence here because no sentence is going to get the engagement you want. We need to rethink what that information is. And in some cases, we need to rethink that, that, what that product is. And at this point, I like, I'm, you know, I'm always looking back when I make these analyses, but like, I think I've got a pretty good radar about like, what is going to have product market fit based on really those initial conversations. And it's not like 100%, but you can often get a pretty good sense, like, is this going to connect with people? Or is it not? I'm trying to think of a counterexample that was like, horribly communicated first, (laughs) and then eventually caught on. And I can't really come up with one. An example more similar to what I'm talking about is like the Apple Watch. Pretty big hit. Like most companies now would love to get their revenue. The Apple Watch has this. Is not, I've never worked for Apple or, or, or anything. But people forget like when it first came out, it was a different product. Um, it was like replacing your phone and it did everything. You know, it had browsers and messages. You know, you could send your heartbeat, I think, to people. Uh, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, it did okay. But... It really was, I think they got to like version four before they really started circling in on what people actually liked it for, which is fitness. So it wasn't just that they changed the message, they actually changed the product to be specific and helpful and geared towards that. So a lot of what you do over like the course long term of writing is help inform, we don't do research, there's a different role called user experience research that actually goes out and talks with people that were often involved. But listening to those conversations, helping communicate, but also being like, yeah, but this is where no money communication is going to help. This is where we need to change the story on a more fundamental level in terms of going towards that. I like that so many of the elements that you're talking about in approaches 
understanding story, understanding messaging, I, I mean, just the compatibility with what, what a writer, the toolbox that a writer brings with them in, in any given situation. I commonly meet with students who have writing backgrounds. We talked about the strength of like the Yale liberal arts education, right? Like yes. Yale primes you for anything. You don't go super deep in, in a lot of directions, but like right. it really you're, you're prepared, right? <laughs> and so working with students to have that in their background, and then they hear about or think about, and they know, well, I'm a writer. Like I hear that writers can do things in user experience. What would be your your approach tactic for a 19, 20, 21 year old who's just looking in that direction, doesn't quite even know which angles of industry they're talking about, but knows that they want to start putting together some experiences that can speak mm -hmm. towards doing something down that pathway. What, what would that look like? The best thing you can do is if you have the ability to actually create products. So if you can code them, which is, you know, there's a lot of solutions that are pretty easy today, even developing iPhone applications is totally low tech um, compared to what it was. That would be great. If you don't, hook up with some people who do <laughs> and actually just start building stuff. Or, you know, if you have like a local charity, you don't have, you certainly don't have to be in Silicon Valley anymore. If you just have like a local charity, you know, I mentioned a dog rescue earlier, hook up with them. You know, if there's a religious organization you're involved with, ask if you can help with some of their technology, find any opportunity you can to just start doing it and getting results. Because you learn so much when you try things and fail. So when you put something out and you're really proud of it, and then it doesn't get the engagement that you want, you learn a lot and you learn to help evolving that. And you also start getting a portfolio together, which is something you can share with people who are looking for a writer doing user experience writing. I think those are all great and you should do those. Having said that, I do think that a lot of these, especially coming from uh, a university like Yale, a lot of companies understand that young people may not have experience doing all of those things. But if they're a good writer, they'll be able to adapt. I, I really do honestly think that if you can write an essay on cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> that you can apply and it can be really good, you can apply those same skills towards technology. You just, like I said, you just got to learn the technology. The technology itself changes and the platform changes all the time. So like, even if you're a seasoned professional, you still have to keep educating yourself on what the new thing is that you're writing about. So I don't actually think you're at a disadvantage there at all. Just concentrate on writing. Get good get examples if you can. Do the thing you want to do, even if it's just like, you know, part-time or even for fun. If you develop an iPhone application and it gets 10 downloads, but you have screenshots of it, that's really valuable. I mean, not for your not for your wallet, <laughs> but, <laughs> for your portfolio, but for right? your portfolio and for your career. So those, those kind of things are going to help. And so things like, like at Yale, like Size City, right? Where you have startups making new apps and stuff like that. Our students potentially plugging in with that community, even if you don't sure. have the coding tech side, you yeah. can be the the talented writing communication partner that can that can help you know build out some of that product. Absolutely, yeah, I think that's an excellent example. And 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 so when the students are thinking in these directions, what would you say are you know most industries have 
trade publications that you, people check in on to check in on trends and better understand context. Are there you know, like like what does it look like in, in in this direction? Like, is there are there magazines, online websites that they should be reading the articles to learn more, or is it kind of diffused because it you know touches so many different industries? I get this question a lot. And my answer is always like, none that I'm aware of that I would recommend. <laughs> so a ton. If you like look at, you know, content designers, your experience writing, you'll find a lot. And some of them are good. I'm not like trying to badmouth them. I think that the core skills, again, are writing, make sure you're good at writing. So reading books about writing. You know, one thing I did is I just read like, it's like, I see like my grammar, like my basic grammar has gotten like bad. So I just got like a book on like basic writing, probably for like, you know, 10th grade and just read it, you know, split infinitives and dangling participles, understanding that that kind of stuff that you probably do if you're at Yale, but you probably forgotten what it's called. So that when you're looking at stuff and editing other people's stuff, you can call that out and you know, like nomenclature around it. Now, like I've seen that stuff doesn't change. What does change is the technology. So that's one of the reasons behind my reading habits is I'm just always trying to drink from the fire hose of information that's coming out about the new technology. So the sites that I would say are more general technology sites in terms of core technology is The Verge, which I think is a Vox site. They have some very good writing, but also just like, you know, the news, <laughs> you know, the New York Times, Washington Post. Wired? Do you read Wired as well? I don't read Wired a lot. I'm not sure why, but I don't. So I, I certainly will occasionally read articles from them. Yeah. I think that that's probably a good place for a lot of people. You know, I guess I still think of them as a magazine and it, yeah. it's hard for me to, even though I, I will start, like I just read New York Times feature that took me eight hours this weekend. <laughs> in, investing in an entire article sometimes can feel heavy. Like yeah. a magazine article, I'm like, oh, geez, that's three pages. Long form writing, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my other joke is, uh, you know, because you hear this a lot. Well, no one reads on the internet. I'm like, oh, did you read that on the internet? It is true. Like, it's <laughs> it, there's a lot of great stuff up there, and I'm not opposed to like. But um, I guess I just always thought of Wired as a magazine, mm -hmm. and I tend to want when I'm looking for information for it to quick, be a little bit more turn. digestible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not like I'm not like a 152 character person. Like, I mean, I do <laughs> check Twitter more than I should. Which is probably, I probably shouldn't check it at all. I love you, Twitter. <laughs> when I'm doing that kind of research, like I want to know like what's going on, what are these, how, what are the challenges these platforms are having, just getting that information, you know, a little, a little bit quicker. So I think that's really good resources to kind of understand the industry. Even some of the New York Times business stuff is really good in terms of like understanding like the, larger machinations because you see those stories repeated over and over again right. there's a graph that i can't remember the name of but it's basically the about expectations for new technology they go through the roof they're like it's going to change everything the whole world will be different we'll be riding flying ponies in three years and then you have this thing called the trough of expectations <laughs> where the product comes out and everyone's like a little disappointed that it doesn't do that but then with many products, it does eventually come back to more of an equilibrium. And it may never reach the highs that people originally intended, but it does have a profound effect in many things. I don't know if I mentioned, but that is called the trough of expectation, mm -hmm. which is a great term. You see that repeat again and again. Right now, it's definitely AI. Like, AI is great. It's going to 
have a <laughs> profound impact eventually in terms, and it already has in terms of things, but it's not going to change everything. Sorry. It may change a lot, but it's not going to change everything. You know, I've seen technology after technology go through that. So following those and understanding that, understanding where things are in those cycle, that help you for your career, both in terms of like what you want to get involved in. I would say right now, get involved in AI. I think that would be awesome for your career. Yeah. They believe it or not, AI needs writers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because someone's got to do those interfaces. Yes. Yeah. But I can guarantee you AI is not very good at doing its own interface <laughs> at this point, maybe in 20 years. Also, also, if you happen to be a sci-fi or genre writer, then the same research you're doing to stay in industry trend is also potentially yes. becoming really great short stories and other things. Sure. <laughs> yeah, these things interest me. That's why I, I, I research them. I would say like those are good resources. Keep your writing skills sharp, which I'm sure you could read You know, a book from a English professor at Yale. I don't want to call out anyone's name. <laughs> He wrote in the 60s, he or she, although I guess back then it was mostly men. Um, and that would really help you with your career writing about artificial intelligence. And you should know about crypto. I honestly would not advise you getting in crypto. But, I mean, in terms of investing, but you know, it's probably an opportunity. There's a lot of capital or there was to advance your career there. So I kind of say like, you know, get involved in those because like, like right now, even though there's a really robust market for iPhone and iPhone apps, like you're not really going to have, you know, the wave is already crested. So if you really want to push yourself forward and you're young in your career, you know, look for the opportunities that will probably play out over the next couple of years and didn't play out over the last several years. Fantastic. So coming down the, uh, the, the, the final lap here, how about we ask a couple of advisory kind of questions? So you've already actually provided a ton of advice, so, so thank you. But if you were to distill down to just like one, you know, Maxim style, hey, this is this is what you need to know, Mister, you know, twenty-one year old who's going to break new ground in this in these territories. What's that one piece of advice you'd hand over? Uh, be patient and be curious. I think those are two things that have helped me in my career and have helped a lot of people in their career. Especially when you're young, you just want to do it right away. It's like, if I'm not successful in my chosen career by the time I'm 27, 29, 30, it's over. Trust me, it's not. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunities to try things and fail there. And you should. I'm not saying do anything dangerous or particularly crazy, but do things that may not work out and stay curious. Don't get locked in to a pattern and establish and say, I did this once and it worked. So let's keep doing that. I like to learn. So that's easy for me, but have to question my assumptions frequently. Like I will have done something 10 years ago and we did something and it failed. And then we did it a different way and it worked. And then I see that same pattern repeating. And I'm like, no, we got to do it this other way because we already tried that and failed. But then realized that like I was working on a product that was significantly different in an environment that was significantly different. So that they may not apply anymore. So it's about thinking about like your experience because your experience is important as you get further into your career, but trying to stay open that you might be wrong. I mean, I mentioned earlier in the undoing project and a lot of that is 
about that, identifying, understanding your cognitive bias and not getting locked in. So it's kind of a roundabout way, but I think that is still staying curious because staying curious about yourself and your mind and how it works. Because early on in my career, I was so eager to do anything and so eager to be successful. And I set all the artificial timelines that for me, at least as someone who struggled with anxiety, like that was not helpful because you can actually shut down and not be making the incremental progress that you should be making because it's like all or nothing, you know? Like Luke Skywalker going down that Death Star trench, she got one shot. (laughs) There's another trench after that. There's going to be at least eight more movies. So, (laughs) in fact, there will be an exact ripoff of that sequence in episode. Hey, we're we're getting critical again. (laughs) Rob, this this has been fantastic. That's incredible advice. Thank you very much. So, I I just want to leave some room. I know you you're not allowed. You you know, you you have some some um, limiters in terms of what you can talk about in terms of projects that you're working on with a big C career with with Meta right now but you know any space for either personal projects or other things that you'd like us to know about that you wanted to to, to pitch gosh i should have prepared for this but, um, you know my my, <laughs> yeah, my novel about yale still unpublished it <laughs> works in the university publishing it's awesome i guarantee you love it it's called the rock star of guinea pigs it's about a yale senior having a crisis of faith i don't have anything else no, that's great. Currently, um, uh, web website, any any place we can send people to find out more. You're on the DL with your your side projects, right? <laughs> All right, we'll have you back when 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 you know when you get the sequel or when you're 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 landing that first uh, uh, novel because we'd love to yeah. push people in those directions. Maybe maybe this is another piece of advice: be better at self promotion. <laughs> definitely a weakness I have. <laughs> And don't, you know, don't be afraid to promote yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. I've been waiting for someone to step out and start promoting my stuff and it hasn't happened. So. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, when you get, get that stuff up and running and then we'll have you back on and we'll promote it there as well. Awesome. All right, Rob, always a pleasure. Look forward to catching up with you and uh, thank you for being on Crafting Career. You're welcome. It's been fun. Thanks again, Rob. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Coming up next, we'll be hearing from artists, designer and creative producer Asher Young of Challenge Your Imagination. Keep an ear out for that in a couple weeks time. And until then, don't be afraid to use the word career, but always stay crafty.